Today on Make Impact, we have Jessica Will. Two years ago, Jess received a heart transplant after battling cancer and eventually heart failure. I'm looking forward to hearing Jess's story and the organ donation that changed her life. From Make Films, you're listening to Make Impact, a podcast about creative problem solving and the leaders who are changing their industries for the better. Here's your host, filmmaker and entrepreneur, Derek Diener. Well, thanks, Jessica, for coming on the podcast this morning. I'm excited to get to know you and hear your story. Thank you for having me. I'm, I really, really appreciate it. Well, what we're going to do, I, I like to jump in with like some rapid fire questions just to sure. kind of get, get things flowing a bit, uh, get us used to talking to each other. And then our listeners can also get to know you a bit um, in a, you know, with a few questions. Is that good to start Absolutely. off? Absolutely. Right, Sounds great. Great. We'll start off easy here. Where were you born? Um, I was born outside of Philadelphia in Bucks County. Okay. And then if you could have one meal in the world, what would it be? Oh, gosh. Um, it would definitely probably be penny vodka. And I never, ever, ever have it <laughs> because it's so bad for you, but it's so good. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's great. I love that. What's an interesting fact uh, that nobody knows about you? Oh, that nobody knows about me. Um, I'm actually in real life, like if I could be by myself, a very shy, quiet person. Um, it doesn't come out that way because I do a lot of public speaking, but I would rather not. (laughs) If I was true to myself, I'd probably just be quiet, but I also have to, um, you know, spread my mission. So I have to be loud and out. (laughs) Yeah, that's, it's actually interesting. There's a lot of people that are in the public eye or that are doing lots of communication things that are, uh, don't get as much energy from that, but they do it because it, you know, it's, yeah, like you said, their purpose or they yeah. really feel called to do that. Well, hey, that's great. Get to know you a little bit there. Now, so currently, uh, where are you currently living then? Um, I currently live in um, Allentown area with okay. my husband and my son. Okay. Great. So, you know, looking at your story, t- is tomorrow is exactly two years from your heart transplant, right? It is I mean, exactly two years. Wow. Yes. So, what goes through your mind um, every time you hit this milestone? Like, what are your emotions like right now thinking about it? It is, um, this week in general is very heavy. Um, my donor, who was an amazing young man, he actually passed away last night, uh, two years ago. So that day is very, very heavy. Um, Mm. just because you know that there's a family who lost their everything, um, in order for you to get your everything. Um, so that weighs extremely heavy on me. Yesterday was a very, very hard day for me. Um, I carry around what they are associating with as like survivor's guilt. Um, Just that, you know, someone had to pass. Someone lost their son. Someone lost their brother. um, So that I could have another day with my husband and my kids. Um, So that's really heavy. Um, Tomorrow is actually going to be much better of a day. Um, His legacy lives on with me. And I have made it my mission um, from here on out to spread his legacy, to share his gift, to let people know that once you leave this earth, your organs can change so many people's lives. They, I mean, they've, in two years, he has given me the opportunity to do and see so much. And I forever hold him in the highest regard. He is my hero. Um, of every true sense of the word, you know, he is known 
selflessness and compassion. And he decided this at the age of 16. Wow. That's huge at 16. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. No, I, I am. I imagine that's a heavy, heavy thing to bear. And for you kind of like, but you know, I mean, his choice was to, to make that impact in other people's lives if he would pass. And, and that's, that's, I guess that's your encouragement to other people, right? Absolutely. And you know, he, um, I have a really nice relationship with his mom, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, she is very welcoming and loving. And she says, you are my boy's heart. You know, you carry yeah. his heart. You carry my wow. heart That's in you. Um, and he was 21 when he passed away. He was a passenger in a car accident. And, wow. you know, to, I have a 21 year old son. So to know what that looks like in her eyes, I can't mm. fathom. I will never be able to put myself in that position without having to be in that position. And I would never say I would, but I do tell her that I honor him and I spread his love, his generosity and his caring for people. He had no idea who they would be, but he cared anyway enough to sign up to be yeah. an organ donor. Wow. Wow. Well, so that's, tomorrow that's your two to your anniversary yes. but like if we rewind let's go back to the beginning of your story yeah uh, talk to me about your health journey when did Absolutely. things when did things begin what did it begin with and and describe your story for me sure so um when i was sick it goes way back yeah. <laughs> when i was six years old um i was diagnosed with cancer and at that time i had um, a cancer called rhabdomyosarcoma, sarcoma and it was in my bladder which is very strange for children okay. so um, in the, in Philadelphia, in the United States at that time, there were two cases of wow. this type of cancer. So it's very experimental, um, of what you're going to do. And I think that that goes along with any kind of medicine, you know, it's a practice of medicine. Yeah. Um, so they put together a treatment plan that they felt would, um, you know, best attack the cancer, which it did. It absolutely did in the process. It um, also attacked my heart because it is poison that they're putting into you to, you know, kill off the cancer. Um, yeah. And so one of the um, one of the chemotherapy drugs is called adromycin. I was given way too much um, for mm. my size, for what I needed. But again, at that time, that was best known practice yeah, for what they were trying to at attack. that point. You know, exactly. Yeah. You do anything you can. Yeah. And obviously these are, you know, decisions at six years old that my parents were making. Mm -hmm. And all they thought was, I want my baby, you know? So if you think this is the best, I want my baby. Sure. Yeah. Let's yeah. do this. Yeah. Um, and as a parent now, I would do the same. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. So um, I was in remission um, when I was eight years old. So that was 1988. I went into remission and my heart started failing at that time. So I was diagnosed with cardiomyopathy, um, which is an enlargement of the heart. Um, the, if you ever saw Beaches, um, the woman that's Bette Midler's like sidekick, she has okay. cardiomyopathy. Okay. So it's an enlargement of the heart. Um, and it just makes it difficult to do, um, you know, exercise, things that are physical. You're very, um, you could be lethargic, out of breath. But at eight years old, that was not going to stop me. Mm. <laughs> So I just took medication and went on, um, lived my life to the absolute fullest, um, did everything that I ever wanted to do. I um, studied abroad. I graduated high school. 
I went to Australia for a summer to explore. Um, I went to college and while I was in school, I, you know, believed like most teenagers do that I was invincible. So this medication that was keeping me alive for all of these adventures and all this time became secondary in my mind hmm. to the experience that college could give me. Probably hindsight. I mean, definitely hindsight, not the best. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. It's a time of life too. You're trying to figure out yourself out and yeah, you think exactly. you're invincible. You definitely do. Yeah. So in college, you don't generally make all the best decisions yeah, that you yeah, could yeah. possibly do. Yeah. Um, and I was definitely a factor of that. Um, so I started laxing on my medication. I started um, enjoying all aspects of college life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that really took a toll on my health quickly. Um, and I became really ill again um, when I was uh, a sophomore in college. And I actually had to leave. I was at Bloomsburg University um, okay. in Pennsylvania. Yep. And I actually had to leave Bloomsburg and um, come home towards the Philadelphia area because I could no longer do it on my own. Wow. Um, I had to be seen at the doctors regularly. I was given the defibrillator, which are the um, AED panels that you see everywhere now. Um, and yeah. they put that in my chest. And so it would fire if my heart rate was off or um, if things were you know, not a normal rhythm, it would put them back in rhythm, which is frankly the most horrible thing that has ever ever happened so um scary. it feels like you're being beaten from the inside out yeah um and unfortunately it happened to me over and over and over again uh which caused a lot of mental um angst ptsd different things that i really struggle with still um yeah I mean, this has been a lifetime journey for you since you were six i didn't realize that it was your absolutely whole life that way. that's absolutely that's um, I was then admitted for a transplant into Temple University okay. Hospital when I was 20. And I lived there for nine months. So when you're listed for a transplant, you do not leave. You're on medication that could save your life, but also can stop your heart immediately. Oof. So you do not leave and you're monitored 24 hours a day. So nine months I lived in the hospital. Oh my goodness. Yes. And they did... Um, testing. And one day, honestly, to me, it's a miracle. Um, if you believe in the, you know, higher above oh, to yeah. me, this is an absolute miracle. Um, my test came back and my heart function had improved without a transplant. Wow. After nine months, they said, you can go home. I was like, what? I'm not yeah. leaving here without a transplant. Like that's what I signed up for. Yeah. Cause I didn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Um, and it was, and it was amazing. Wow. And I walked out of that hospital. And I lived 20 more years of my life, got married, adopted two amazing children, um, started wow. my career, did everything until um, about two and a half years ago. I was working um, at Tolba Hawken High School and I taught emotional support, which okay. I believe was my first passion, my mm. first purpose. Mm -hmm. um, I taught kids who were bipolar, kids who had eating disorders, kids who were cutters oh and I taught um, how to manage behaviors and how to manage stressors. And I feel that my life led me up to that point. And it was really my purpose. I loved my job. It was difficult, mm -hmm. but I loved every aspect of it. And I loved going to work and I loved those kids. Um, I cared for them more some days than I felt like I cared for myself. Most days, <laughs> probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, when they had hard 
um, situations at home, they came home with me and they stayed at my, our house. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. We had kids for Christmas sometimes because they had nowhere else to go. So, you know, it was my passion yeah. and it was really hard for me to leave. Um, but I became so sick that I couldn't work anymore. I couldn't wake up in the morning. Um, so I came home and I said to my husband, this, I'm not right. Something's really, really not right. Mm. Um, and I had felt it earlier. I went, I came home, that was in November. I'm like, and my friends in September at work, I would say, I'm not long for this world. I just feel it. Like mm. I'm getting worse. I know it's just so much harder for me now. It's not good. Um, and they would say, well, why don't you just leave work? Like, it's just too much stress. And I'm like, no, this is what I live for. This is what I'm going to do. But, it, you know, I could feel myself getting sicker. Um, so in November, I just took a leave. I just needed to take a break and, and figure myself out. And my goal was to make it through Christmas hmm. without having to go into the hospital. Because I wanted, at least if this was it, I wanted one last Christmas with my boys um, tried to make things as normal as possible. I wanted, you know, my family around and I was at the point where my head did not lift off of a pillow. My husband wow. would carry me and lay me on the couch to, so I could be part of life. Um, wow. it was, it was really dim. And so after that, um, we got through the new year and in January, my husband took me to the, to the hospital and my doctors all along knew my plan. Like I knew I wanted to be home for Christmas they understood that they mm -hmm. weren't a hundred percent supportive, but they respected my decision um, because of my blood type, um, which is an O positive. That is a very, it's a universal donor. So an O positive can donate to anyone, okay. but it's very hard as a recipient to get that uh, because they can donate to anyone. I see. So I knew my weight would be long. So that's why I thought I might not make that next Christmas. So I wanted you know, to have that. Yeah. Um, so I went into the hospital and they admitted me immediately to the ICU. Um, and there they um, put on a balloon pump, which is something that control, like, can takes over your heart, almost like a bypass, Okay. but you're still um, with it. So okay. you're still, you know, able to have com communication and things like that. Okay. And um, I lived there waiting um, again, and I thought, God, this is going to be another long, long wait. Yeah. I'm going to miss so many things. And I just declined super fast. So, um, which is a positive and a negative in this kind of a transplant world, because yeah. the more sick you are, the higher you are on the list. Yeah. But then time is, you know, ticking. Time is not on your side. Yeah. Um, so literally we were planning a funeral while I was in the hospital, hoping um, for the best, absolutely expecting the worst. Hmm. And on this day, <laughs> um, two years ago, it was 10 o'clock at night. I was in my room, in my hospital room by myself. Everyone had left for the day. I was never alone, which I attribute to my family and friends. They were always there until they couldn't be any longer. Mm -hmm. So from the moment that they were allowed in to the moment that they left, <laughs> Someone was by my side. Wow. Um, That's amazing. It is amazing. And I, I got a phone call and they said, um, is this Jessica? I said, yes, it is. And they said, Jessica, we have a heart for you. Wow. I'm sorry. Wow. It still gets me every time. <laughs> and I said, no, 
I don't know what you're talking. I don't understand. I don't understand. And they said, we have a heart for you. Hmm. And I thought to myself, oh my God, th- this is happening. And in that same instant, I swear it was seconds later, my tears turned from amazement and joy for me to sorrow and loss for the other family. Hmm. And it was almost instant. I felt it so hard in my gut, that, that sadness for them, that guilt of them losing someone for me to live. Um, I instantly, you know, pressed the button for the nurse. She came in, they know before I know, but they're not allowed to say anything. So she knew that I was very much possibly getting it that day. Um, because they had been contacted to do extra blood work and things like that, but they don't ever want to give false hope. So they don't say anything until they know that it's, you know, pretty for sure. Um, and she said, I know, I know. And we both cried. I mean, I lived there since January and this was February. You know, these were my, my second family, these nurses. Um, and so I, I called my husband and my parents and, you know, they were in then disbelief. Okay, what do we do? You know, that, that sheer panic of, of what's next, what's next? Yeah. Um, so everyone came down and I was extremely anxious and extremely emotional that that is the last thing that I remember because they had to sedate me <laughs> because I needed to just calm down. Yeah, um, sure. My heart was just not able to take all of that emotion. What am- what emotions, though, to deal with, like the joy, but also the sorrow of realizing someone had to pass for you to be in this situation? Absolutely. I can't Absolutely. imagine. Yeah. I guess they went to emergency surgery then? They uh, went into emergency surgery. The surgery was um, expected to be 10 hours. Wow. It was 14. Oh, my, um, my husband and my parents, you know, and this is all night long, right? Because I got the call at 10. So I didn't go into surgery until 2 a.m., um, And my husband said, you know, they got to hold my hand until the door and then the door shut. And then they wait 14 hours. Oh my goodness. Imagine, right? So, you know, my story is one thing, but their story really that. The caretakers, man, they deal with so much. I know my wife, when I went through surgery and all the things, it's like, oh my goodness. They, you know, we're we're sedated, you know, sleeping uh comfortably uh, i right. mean you know to you know whatever comfortably we don't but know we don't, know. Right. We don't exactly. know but the emotions of what they have to deal with during all the tests and during all the surgeries Absolutely. definitely the huge huge um the the you know the caretakers deal with just as much emotion and and they, they don't know how you're feeling they're you know trying to ask and trying to kind of gauge right. and trying and to know be what there to say, what know not what, to say. I, oh my goodness but yeah but yeah, so 14 hours later then, uh, after um, the surgery, you came out and... I came out. I honestly do not remember. I had, um, I was in ICU. I was, you know, hooked up to all kinds of, from yeah. the pictures that I've seen, um, it was about 17 IV pumps full of different Oof. things, doing different life-saving measures, I guess. Um, and I had a real heart, because it was so long of a surgery, Um I had a real struggle after transplant. Yeah. It was um, possibly not living, like a possibly not accepting this organ um, wow. as my own. Um, and I was in ICU for three months where I was very much sedated most of the time. Um, when I wasn't, I was having a lot of like ICU dementia, 
um, which is really scary and really real. You just have hallucinations um, just from being on your body, being under so much trauma and the medication, you know, woozy in and out and just different things. Yeah. Um, I finally turned a corner um, and got to a regular floor, which was amazing. Um, But during that time, my kidneys took a real big hit and they shut down and I was in kidney failure. Oh my goodness. So, you know, we were thinking to ourselves, do we just trade one thing for another? You know, Um, they were talking kidney transplant now. And I was like, this is no, this cannot be like, I did not just, we just did not all do this. Yeah. I was on dialysis um, three days a week um, for months months on end and i i absolutely believe in miracles yeah. i feel like my whole life has been yeah. a series of miracles wow um and i believe in prayer and i just we just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for everything to just turn around and to even itself out and to be right yeah and it worked i got off of dialysis my kidneys have now recovered Oh my goodness. I am in full, complete, better than I have ever been since before six years old. Wow. Really? Unbelievable. So your heart is part of you and your body took it in and it's it took It it accepted and it is strong. And every time I go to the doctor, they are amazed. They are saying, this heart is strong. It is strong. Oh the doctor goodness. said it was a perfect match. The sizing, everything lined up. It was an absolute perfect match. And I, I know that. I feel it. You know, um, I know about my donor. His name was Dom. And in real life, we were a perfect match. He volunteered at Special Olympics. Oh, my I was a special ed teacher. Um, he... His brother has autism. My son has autism. Wow. We were meant to be. His mom says to me, it doesn't put a period on the end of his life. It puts a dash. Wow. And then we get to live the rest of him through you. Wow. Yeah. You guys have had the same physical heart, but also same emotional, you know. Compassion. Compassion. Yeah. Desires. Yeah, absolutely. What a connection. I. So then you said you're close you, you know, you stay in touch with his mom. I mean, wh- what have you learned from that experience? I, I, you know, and, and how do you, do you have anything you've learned to, to do to like cope with some of those emotional turns of the, you know, positivity and then the, you know, the challenges with that? Absolutely. Um, before I met her or got to speak to her because of COVID, we haven't been able to meet, Yeah. which just rips me apart. But, oh yeah. You know, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but before I heard from her, I wrote them as soon as I was able to, just to say thank you. I didn't, it took me 17 drafts to write a letter that I felt at least expressed somewhat of what I needed to say. You can't put it into words, but what I could you know, write down and put down is what I needed to give them. Um, and it took a while to hear back from them. And obviously they weren't ready. And I can't expect and would never expect them you know, to, to be ready when you lose a child. Um, but she did write and she said, you know, the day that we got the letter, a weight was lifted off of us. We knew that he still continued, that you were going to honor him, that you call him your hero. 
And when I heard back from her, I had a weight lifted off of me. Oh yeah. It's going to be okay. She's okay with me taking on her son's legacy. She is okay with everything that I'm doing to advocate for him, to share his story so that he doesn't die. His spirit won't die. His story won't die. Mm -hmm. His legacy will continue. So that has so much helped me. And, you know, if I, if I'm struggling with something and I, you know, just reading back messages from her or contacting her. And she said, you, you give me hope. You Mm -hmm. make me wake up some days. And he saved, he saved eight people and impacted 75 lives. Oh my goodness. Yes. He donated all of his organs. He donated skin. He donated tissue. He donated his corneas. There are so many of us that are now walking around with better lives because of him. A lot of you have probably heard of audible.com. I've used audible for the past seven years. I've read over 80 books. I actually learned from a friend if I've been listening to books 30% faster. So I do the, use the 1.3 times faster and it's just a way to kind of get books faster with my efficiency brain, but it, it helps me, you know, it's amazing. I, I love to stay connected, informed, uh, and inspired by audible.com. So you can sign up for your free 30 day trial of audible premium plus at audibletrial.com slash make impact. That's audibletrial.com slash make impact. Happy listening. I'm curious because there can be a bad stigma around organ donation. Yes. Yes. And and so I love I love for you to share like advice to people who are kind of uncertain about it, you know, because sure. clearly clearly his decision impacted so many people. Absolutely. So, um, you know, organ donation is people feel that if I'm sick or if I'm in an accident, they won't help me because I'm an organ donor. Yeah, that's what I That could not be farther from the truth. Um, And it's just, I feel that it's just uneducated. You know, when you, when you see these, these thoughts and um, my, my mission now is to educate about organ donation. So um, there's, if you pass away in a, tra- a tragic instance, um, that's the only way your organs can be donated. And really it's only probably one in five people that can donate even if they're tragically passed. Okay. So the circumstances have to be so minute. You have to still be, you know, your, or- your brain still has to be alive, but it's not working. So, you know, you're brain dead, but your organs are still working and they have to keep them alive while they find the donors. So they would actually do more life-saving measures if they thought you could donate your organs than if not, because you have to be alive to, you know, donate alive, but not functional, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, it's not everyone that can donate. Um, Another, you know, is that my family won't be able to have a funeral. That is absolutely not the case. Um, most of the, the, the body is handled in with utmost respect, um, during organ transplantation, you know, they know that this was a hero. Yeah. They are not going in and cutting pieces out. Um, they go through the back and they take what they can. So you can have an open casket. Your family can, you know, view you at a viewing. Um, it is done with the utmost respect and they give the person, the person's family as much time as they want with that 
with the person, with the pat, the deceased. So they will, you know, prolong the surgery as long until they cannot any longer let the family have their time. Um, a lot of people believe that um, religion says I can't donate. Absolutely not. All major religions say that, yes, they believe it's the best, the most gracious gift that you can give or leave to someone else. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are so many people waiting for a transplant. So we're in Pennsylvania, right? So we all know Penn State and Beaver Stadium. Mm -hmm. We could fill Beaver Stadium twice with the number of people waiting for a transplant. Wow. wow. That's a huge stadium. You know, so Penn State's huge. Yeah. And when you think about it that way, those are the people that are just waiting in our region. We're not talking the entire United States. That's our region. So there's, so that's around 200,000 people or so, or I guess, right? About, or, yeah. That are waiting in our region for, for some are, type of transplant. Yes. Some wow. type of transplant. Wow. I mean, that's, that's crazy, you know, and there's not just deceased donors, there's living donors. So you can donate your kidney, a piece of your liver. You can donate marrow um, while you're still living. You can be on a living donor registry, hmm. which is huge. Kidney donors are in such need. Um, there are thousands and hundreds of thousands of people in dialysis. Yeah. And yeah. my mom was a living donor before I even received my heart transplant. Wow. She donated her kidney. So, you know, this is just something that we just feel as a family to our core. That is what you do for humanity. Yeah. You know, you wow. pass on. If you had extra food, you would give it to the, someone hungry. Yeah. You can't if take you had, these organs you know, with you. You know, you can't take. You your cannot. With you. you cannot. Yeah. I have, you know, the bumper sticker on my car. God knows, you know, you can't take your organs to heaven. God knows we need them here. Yeah. Um, those are words to live by. We need them. But even while we're here, you can donate. Yeah. Um, even just simple donations of blood, plasma. Mm -hmm. That's all so important um, for organ donation, for just saving lives in oh, general. Yeah. Um, one donor can donate eight organs, can save eight people's lives and impact 75 others. Wow. If someone uh, is unsure if they want to become an organ donor, uh, how, do, how does somebody become an organ donor? Absolutely. So there is no age limit. There is no, um, you know, sexual orientation. There's no disease that can, that will take you off of the list. There are people waiting who have hepatitis that can accept someone with hepatitis. Hmm. There, you know, there's medication. Um, if you have HIV, we can suppress, we can medicate for that post. You know, there are so many different things that you can do and anyone can donate at any age. So what you would do is um, you can go on to um, donor1.org and register to be an organ donor. Okay. You can learn everything you need to know. So if you still have questions, if there's still concerns, if you're just unsure, um, you need more information, donor1.org is a website that I work with um, through Gift of Life, okay, which is the transplant or the organ um, procurement center in the Pennsylvania region. And they um, have all of the facts. You can sign up there to be an organ donor. If you don't think you can donate, you can sign up. And that's the doctor's decision at time of transplant to say, is this a viable organ? Okay, okay, that's Because great. your skin, you could be yeah. 65, 85, and your skin could still be yeah. worth something. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It helps women burn victims. It helps women who have had mastectomies um, rebuild their breasts. 
it can do so many different things. Wow. Um, you can have valves, heart valves that can go to different people. So not just organs itself. Um, your corneas can give someone sight. You know, all of these different things that go into it. People think it's just organs, like whole organs, you know, liver, kidneys, um, heart, lungs. And it's, it's so much more than that. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a great resource. Hopefully everybody listening will check that out and find out if they're not an organ donor, how to, how to become one. Um, right. And one of the easiest ways too, is to go to the DMV. They yeah. ask you every time you get your license, yeah. um, you know, do you want to be an organ donor? Say yes. You will be someone's second chance at life. Yeah. You could be someone's hero. Um, without Dom, I would not have seen so many things this year. I would not in the past two years. Um, my, my son becoming a teenager, my other son turning 21. Um, I would not have been able to see my best friend have a baby. Just all of these ridiculously amazing things. And just even the smallest things of waking up and fighting with my son to get on Zoom for school. <laughs> you know, like I take everything as a gift. So it's the huge things. And it's also the littlest things. It's sitting at a table and getting to hear my kids tell jokes and laugh at each other. You know, yeah. you don't realize how sweet that laughter is and just those little things, even if their arguments are until you think that that's not going to be able to happen anymore. Yeah. And I think to myself a lot, like Dom's mom would give anything to have that argument again. Dom's mom would give anything to hear her laugh again. But she knows that because of him, his legacy goes on and I get to experience all of those things with my children. And for that, she says she's happy. And I have to believe that. Um, I have yeah. to believe that. Yeah. Well, life is not guaranteed for anybody. Absolutely. And that's what I always right. said when I went through my journey. And it sounds like, you know, you went through a much, a much harder, more like life threatening, you know, not sure if you're going to live next to next week journey. And it really opened your eyes to like, what's in front of you, what's important and the people around you. And it makes that, Absolutely, that but bigger, so much little, sweeter. It's everyone's experience is their own. Yeah, it yeah, doesn't yeah. have to be life-changing to get that clarity yes. of what really is important in life. Yeah. And hopefully people can listen and hear your story and, and, you know, take that second and stop and be present in the moment because this last year was hard for everybody. And, you know, people lost many people close to them too. And it was like, man, you know, life is precious and, and take it in and just be, be thankful for the moments that we have. But, um, well, your, your story was super inspirational to me. I really appreciate, uh, you encouraging those around if this, you know, Hey, listen, we can save lives. We can all be those superheroes for other people and sign up to be an organ donor. It's an easy, it's an, and, and, and even like you said, you can be a living donor too, and, and find out those, how to get involved in those ways too, because man, you can make such a big impact and, and people really change in their life. And yeah. it's a ripple effect. You know, it yeah. didn't just impact me. It impacted my husband. It impacted my kids. It impacted my friends. It, you know, he, one donor has, and that's just my story. Yeah. So he has lungs that he donated. He's got two kidney recipients, two lung recipients, a liver recipient. Wow. You know, all of these people have the same type of story. Yeah. And he, one person, one 21-year-old, and at 16 decided, I want to make a difference for someone else, wow. has this ripple effect. Wow. That's a hero. That is a hero. He's an amazing man. Yeah, amazing. Hey, thank you. 
again for sharing your story, Jessica. I, I was really impacted, and hopefully, like I said, people listening will be impacted as well. And keep sharing your story, and I'm sure you will, but uh, you're an inspiration, so thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. Thanks for listening to this episode of Make Impact. Follow our journey on Instagram at Make Impact Podcast. Make Impact is hosted by Derek Diener, written by Letitia Kreider, and produced by Letitia Kreider and Grace Wagner. Aaron Diener and Seth Bortner edit the episodes, and Lisbeth Byler is our marketing manager. Make Impact is brought to you by Make Films, a team of filmmakers producing meaningful content to inspire and motivate. Learn more at makefilms.cc. Until next time, be kind to one another and make an impact.